Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast brought to you by Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. The FIAAA also wants to thank our other great sponsors. Uh, one of our diamond sponsors is Varsity Brands. Varsity Brands features BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. Our other diamond sponsor is Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing helps thousands of schools across the country seamlessly provide convenient digital ticketing options for their communities, families, and friends. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank our great platinum sponsors, including Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Booster Digital Displays, revolutionize your game day experience. And Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Thanks to all of our great FIAAA sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD. We've got a good friend today, Carolyn Sudeiko. Carolyn is a certified athletic administrator She's a longtime athletic director in the San Francisco Bay Area, currently working as a consultant. Uh, she's a speaker. She's on a couple of boards. Uh, I'm going to let her tell you about all the things she's doing. But Carolyn, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jake. So good to be here with you. Happy Friday. Oh, you too. Um, you know, we like you and I were talking, we've been uh, trying to get this on for a while. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and jump right into things. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, and, and how you got involved in this uh, business that we call uh, educational athletics. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. 50. Okay. I'm just going to age myself. 53 years in uh, three minutes is my, is my aim here. So uh, I was born in the Philippines. Uh, in 1968. A couple years after that, um, a couple years of family separation, my father was here in the United States already. And my twin sibling and mother and I uh, immigrated um, to join him. So uh, he came here via the 1965 uh, Immigration and Naturalization Act and was able to get us here. And we became naturalized citizens. Um, as a minor, um, my sister and I 
uh, always joke around that we were probably switched on the plane or something like that. But um, so that's that's the start. Um, landed right in San Francisco on the outskirts of the city uh, by the Pacific Ocean and Ocean Beach. So and have been here ever since. Uh, I went to school at an all girls high school, Mercy High School, which has since closed. And then went to college right down the street at uh, San Francisco State University. So um, I actually initially went as a journalism major in college. So I wanted to write about sports and I actually wanted to be the first uh, woman sportscaster anchor at ESPN. So that didn't happen. Um, but, uh, but what did happen was that I, I had to leave college, uh, in order to raise my first son. So I was a single parent, uh, since I was 20 years old, uh, for all of my twenties, I worked my way, um, as a, a law firm, library administrative assistant. So for about 15 years, I was in the corporate world uh, doing that, saved up enough money. Uh, when my son Georgia was in middle school, I went to college full time and became a kinesiology major and um, wow. minored in athletic coaching. So that's when uh, I really started uh, my journey. So I uh, went to school full-time. I worked uh, three or four part-time jobs, all in sports-related fields, and then uh, got my teaching credential. So uh, again, finding my way back to an all-girls Catholic school. I spent uh, 20 years there, uh, really having a great time. Wow. Uh, I've had heard, you know, bits and pieces of your story, but I always find it fascinating, you know, how we, uh, you know, that Twitter thing, you know, how it started, how's it going sort of thing. <laughs> uh, very, very cool. Um, talk a little bit about that um, transition period from working all those jobs, uh, getting all of those background experiences that allowed you to land uh, your athletic director job where you spent, as you said, you know, 20 years at the same school, you know, how did that all come together? I was in college, so I had already been coaching at the youth level, um, uh, Catholic youth, uh, refereeing as well. That was one of my part-time uh, jobs to get myself uh, through my college and support my family was uh, officiating. So uh, related anything related to sports, I, I was going to do. If you needed a uh, uh, basketball scorekeeper, if you needed a baseball um, scorekeeper, anything, um, I would I would do that. And I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I would coach my son uh, and his teams. And I really wanted to be in a space where I could, um, I realized that I was already making a livelihood in sports related um, fields and I, I loved it. And so that when this opportunity came to coach at um, ICA in San Francisco, um, I took it and I learned a lot. Um, 
my mentors have always been women, which I know is, I am the unicorn, I think in our, in our profession. Um, but throughout um, grade school and into uh, high school and college, um, all of my mentors have, have been strong women. So I, you know, whether people say, oh, I, I just don't know any better, or like I have, I go right into a space with that fierce um, advocacy for, for girls and women in sports. Cause that's, that's my, uh, that's my pathway uh, for everything I've been doing in sports as, as it is. So I, I really think uh, college, especially at San Francisco State really solidified that, um, that advocacy component of, of what sports can do and that aspirational component of sports. And I wanted that for myself. So um, really combining that with, with the real practical uh, mechanics of, of sports jobs, right? Like I can have a profession in sports because I have been doing it. It has been supporting my family. Um, and really coupling that with the aspirational, uh, what does sports mean for our identity? What does that sports, what does sports mean for our expression? So those two things were really um, put together so, so lovely in a lovely way um, at ICA. I thought and for 20 years, um, I was starting to get a little itchy palms, as I like to say, ooh, itchy palms, and uh, was, was fielding more questions from adults and, and emerging athletic directors or people in the field of athletics, like, how can I do this? And so um, I found myself doing more for, um, for fellow colleagues, uh, for students who wanted to go into the sports field. Um, and so the, the emergence and the evolution continues in that way. And it's still related to sports, which is really fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, and I appreciate you sharing that, uh, some really cool stuff. You touched on mentors. And uh, in our profession, um, we talk about the importance of leadership and specifically mentorship. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who were some of those mentors that you had, uh, either you know, coaches or family members growing up, or or people that you worked with or uh, worked for? Uh, whose voice do you still hear in your head uh, when you're working as an athletic administrator? I want to tell you, Jake, that when I was prepping for this, like my list was like half a page long. I just kept on. <laughs> So um, really initially when we, when my family came here to America, we were already uh, included into a community of, of immigrants from my mother's small province town in the Philippines. They were already here in San Francisco. So everyone took care of one another. Everyone helped uh, people, uh, uh, get in, uh, fit in, and, and do stuff, know, know where to go, know how to get a job. That infrastructure was already here for us. Um, so I look at, at that immigrant community. Um, I'll call, I'll name them uh, the Punicanians USA. Shout out to the town of Paniki in uh, Tarlac in the Philippines. Uh, but those people were, um, held us 
right? And so they were my first examples of how we do, um, how we do this in community. Um, Sally Harrington, my, um, my first athletic director in the fourth grade. Uh, she was not only our athletic director, she was our uh, volleyball game official. Her daughter was our PE uh, instructor. Um, always, even now I see her doing her fitness walking at the mall. I love it. Um, Debbie Matthews was my high school athletic director. She has since passed. And so I now rely on her uh, spirit, her, um, all of her energies, uh, because she continues to live through how I practice, um, how I relate to sports. Uh, but she was definitely very instrumental in, in how I look at how I organize, why I organize sports the way I do. Um, what my methodology, um, especially for um, a girl-centered, a girl-centered program, um, Dr. Robin Locke at San Francisco State University, who scheduled all of our classes at 8 a.m. because <laughs> she said, "You're going to you're going to be a PE teacher and you're going to put movement into kids' lives at eight o'clock in the morning, so you need to get used to it." <laughs> So uh, that was that was clear, um, and so many other people. Kathleen Hoffman at ICA, who who I uh, succeeded as the athletic director, and she literally said, "You can do what you want because we trust your judgment." And she she didn't just say that and leave me. She said that and said, "What do you need?" And I said, "I need." I need a membership to NIAAA. I need a membership to the state uh, athletic director. I, I need these resources to, to help me, to support me in my professional growth capacity. And so, so she was the one who organized the budget for that. She was the one who responded in a really concrete way uh, to that. Um, other mentors I also consider as colleagues. Um, and they're all, they're all women, women of color, um, who, have, uh, who have been all the, the stars in, in, in my sky uh, to really get me, uh, get me situated. And so I, I, I can only shine as bright as, as all of them and all of us together. So that's how I like to look at our landscape. Uh, and, and again, those lists can go on and on and on for all of us, but it's a great reminder that, uh, you know, we didn't get here by ourselves. There were people. Right. Well, I even, I even talked to Jen today and I said, I'm wearing my global community shirt today uh, to represent, you know, global community. And I just, I just love it. All these spaces of, of a collective energy of people that, um, really enjoy sports and that want to, to be better for, for the youth that, that we serve. So that's, I mean, how can you be more aspirational than that? I think, I think that's great. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go ahead and go off script here a little bit for our podcast listeners. Uh, Carolyn's wearing her uh, global community <laughs> of women in high school sport uh, pullover, uh, which both of us, you and I uh, got involved uh, you more so, uh, but we both got involved, I think, around the beginning. 
Uh, just real briefly, uh, tell our listeners about Global Community, uh, what it is, and, and some of the things that you do through Global Community for athletic administrators. Oh, thanks, Jake. Yes, and, and uh, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports is a group uh, that really is a space where uh, women-identified folks uh, can really share with one another, not only resources, uh, which we did during, during COVID for sure, right? Um, how do we help each other uh, through this? And, and global community for me <clears throat> is that network, is that web, not only of resources, right? Because we can, we can find resources pretty much almost anywhere, but a real personal uh, connection to people and to, and to those resources, right? And, and, and the resources meaning people, right? People are, are, are the resource. Uh, so, and their experience is, is what helps us in deepening our own experience. So the global community of women is a wider um, affinity group that in, encompasses that sort of, um, that sort of support. Right, so not just uh, resource tools, um, which we have a lot of, but also, again, like I said, uh, Jen, who's, who's the founder of Global Community, and I, um, we are each other's uh, venting uh, people. <laughs> we, we, we celebrate uh, through text messages or quick calls, high fives, uh, affirmations, struggles, um, so in, in the more precise or uh, focused sense, it is that, that mentoring and support web, um, specifically uh, with, with uh, women-led flavor. Um, and, um, and yes, we, we, we are definitely uh, welcoming allies. And Jake, you've always, you know, from, from the get-go, uh, been a really uh, strong and vocal ally for for the work that we do. So we're planning um, some big uh, Title IX at 50, because next year in 2022, Title IX uh, will be 50 years old. We are planning a big party in Washington, D.C. Uh, next June, and we're planning some lead-up um, experiences and events as we, as we head into that. Um, I am kind of like, I'm really good at planning parties. So <laughs> I, I will always take that, that role. And, and that's a very key role in, in any organization, <laughs> okay? For our listeners, we're visiting with Carolyn Sudeiko, Certified Athletic Administrator and uh, Educational Athletics Consultant and Expert. We're going, to, we're going to continue our interview, but uh, first we're going to take a break and hear from our podcast sponsor, Violet Defense. Once again, the FIAAA wants to thank Violet Defense for sponsoring our podcast. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products 
or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. Welcome back to our interview with Carolyn Sudeiko. Carolyn, um, you're a, an experienced athletic director. You know, you've seen a lot of different programs, had a lot of success, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, what are a couple of best practices that you have seen, um, you know, whether initiatives you started at your school or others that, you know, when you look at them, you just go, wow, that is a really cool thing. Uh, what are some best practices you can share with us? Uh, I have two, two really specific ones that really, that I relied on uh, while I was at uh, ICA Cristo Rey. The first is know all your students' names, all of them. I don't, it, if you have 1,500, it just takes longer. I know. I, I had 400. I had up to 400 at the last year. And um, yeah, know all their names, practice their names, take time to practice their names, have them tell you their names over and over and over, stop them in the hall. Who are you? Tell me your name again. Um, the more we focus on them, and I think the more we show students that we are putting an effort to know who they are, that is, um, that will uh, yield a return to us that's deeper um, and much more valuable than the time we spent really trying to, to memorize their names. It is it's so worthwhile. Um, and then after, after that, um, another best practice is what, whatever it is that your students need, um, whether in however way you find it, surveying, asking them, talking to them and their families, uh, find a related advocacy um, where you can broaden that out. So uh, my students, an example would be my students at ICA were um, mainly from uh, the, the areas around, around uh, San Francisco. Uh, we were, uh, we are, or ICA is a Cristo Rey network school. All the students, uh, families had to meet income requirements in order to um, be enrolled at the school. And Crystal Ray Network Schools have a work-study program for all its students. Our students at ICA at the time that I was there uh, were about 60% were about Latina, Latinx um, identified. Uh, about 20, 25% uh, Filipina identified and um, black African-American students of color. Um, and literally I can, I can tell you, you know, we would have, we would have struggles with uh, what does that mean and how are we going to advocate uh, for them, what, what does the community need? Um, so asking them lots of questions, especially when it comes to sports, we have a lot of, oh my gosh, so many assumptions in sports 
And uh, I was in a context where I couldn't assume that. I couldn't assume that uh, girls understood that we had competitive cut sports, right? I couldn't assume that. Um, so I had to, we had to, as a school, create a philosophy or what that was with like, are we going to, are we going to be uh, in grow programs for everyone? If, if everyone is an athlete at our school, that is 400 girls, then how, how is each student, and we know their names, how is each one of them going to uh, play a sport? So that's, that's the best practice, I think, that came out of that was, was um, the mindset of advocacy. So know all your girls' names or know all your students' names and find ways that they, that you can support them in their own um, efficacy, in their own advocacy. Very cool. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, coming from the, the Crystal Ray School that you're at, uh, I'm very interested in your answer to this next question. Uh, I've been asking athletic directors this now for over a year. Um, and the question is this, um, around the, the idea of social awareness or social justice, if you will, how can athletic directors do a better job uh, of being socially aware for their community, for their students, for their uh, stakeholders, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? How can we do better? For me, the best pathway to do better is to sit in space or walk in space or be in space where people are having those conversations, right? And, and asking a lot of questions. I am that person that asks the agitating questions. So, I, I, you know, people call it different things. Oh, with a, with a beginner's mindset or a curious, uh, a curious uh, approach or something. I call it kind of like agitation. You know, like, well, why do we do sports this way? Or why is it that we only have 60% of our student population in one sport. Why is that? You know, so however way we look at how we question um, the context, um, it's, it's that ability to, to question that without being um, so, uh, you know, what, what's the word, like negative about it, right? And, and being curious about it. So if, if, we're, if we're socially aware, that means that um, we are looking around us, like we're, we're, we are impacted by, by what we see, what we hear, um, and the, we start to question our assumptions, right? And that could be a really um, crunchy, I like calling it crunchy. Like that's a crunchy space to be, especially for athletic directors and all educators. I would, I would argue, all educators, right? Because we're we're taught to like be the experts, to know, um, and so and and we love resources. Give me resources, right? And I have a whole bunch of resources, but if I can't take time to read an article, or if I can't take time to ask 
a student? Is this, you know, or what is your experience? Or does this resonate with you? Or why do we want a swim team? Or do we want a swim team? Right? Like, so even those questions come from, from the assumptions um, that we have to question ourselves. Right? So, for instance, when we started a swim team at ICA, I started a swim team because I had a willing coach um, and she was wonderful. And we, we did have student um, interest in it. And really it was, what was the barriers? So what are the barriers now? So the barriers were um, paying for pool time. The barriers were a lot of the students who wanted to be on the swim team actually could not swim. So we had to, we literally had to do kind of like a marketing push or a promo push that we're starting a swim team and it's not Marco Polo swimming, right? It's not like, you know, like what I do is kind of like flail in the water in the pool. That's what I do. I said, it's, it's racing. So the assumption that students would know that a swim team involves racing, that was an assumption um, that I and others made when we started the swim team. So so we had to really um, recruit and we had to really form the swim team out of the needs of, of the student athletes who wanted to compete. And some of them didn't wanna compete. Some of them said, I just wanna race, I guess with swimming. I want to, I want to be on a team. We weren't cutting anyone. And so we, we, they, we let them choose their events. Um, we let them manage, we let them, um, learn how to keep time or what does it even mean to be at a, at a swim event? None of them had been to a swim meet before. So it's, it's those sorts of things, um, uh, in terms of being socially aware, um, that that have taught me lessons about my assumptions. So I always ask, I always ask like, well, wh- why is it that, that you can't join a sport? And it's usually something that <clears throat> in conversation we can, we can address. Um, oh, bring your sibling to practice. You know, we'll have someone to help care for all the siblings that you got to pick up after school. Oh, you have um, some, uh, some it's usually around logistical things like transportation or like you know my parent can't pick me up or um, you know all these different things that we can address if we if we have a conversation so those are so I'm I am that nosy person so not not only do I um, do I know all my students names but then I literally have had to tell them that I'm I'm going to be all up in your business. So <laughs> I really like how you, you kind of broke that down into three components, you know, listening, of course, uh, but then asking those questions, you know, gathering inf- information. And then you also talked about, you know, working for a solution. Uh, you know, so good stuff. Well, Carolyn, um, it's one of the great things about the pandemic is that I've got to meet some really cool people like you. Uh, and this has been great visiting with you, but we're not quite done. We always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. 
And I've already said, you know, you are uh, an experienced AD, an exceptional athletic administrator, but now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Carolyn Sudeikos athletic director <laughs> toolbox? <laughs> three things. Can one of those things be a checklist like with 25 things? Just <laughs> Not like wishing for more wishes. But, uh, I'm always trying to find a way to do things yeah. differently. That's what people I tell think me. the record, some <laughs> people have gone with four or maybe five. The record, no, no, no. one athletic director snuck in nine. Oh my um, gosh. No, Jake, I, I got the directions from you, coach. <laughs> and I, I know the plan. I have, right, my, I have my three. Um, number one is to make time and space preferably on a calendar, literally time and space for one curious conversation, one venting session, and one reflection each week, like really carving out space for that. Uh, number two, in my toolbox, I will have a journal of daily affirmations because that's how I, I got to start my day every day. Uh, gratitude and affirmations. We do too little of, uh, we spend too little time affirming ourselves and, and giving ourselves the, that positive self-talk. When we ourselves are the coaches, like we don't, we should coach ourselves better, I think, <laughs> in terms of that. Um, and that actually leads me to my third uh, resource in the toolbox is uh, my own uh, contact information. Y'all should put that in your toolbox. Uh, Carolyn at coachingkapwa.com. So um, that is kind of like, actually, you know what? That's kind of like in the first aid kit in the toolbox, perhaps. Um, the work that I do is now centered entirely uh, facing adults who do this work. So uh, how, how do we coach ourselves? Uh, how do we do a better job when we are being better people, right? That's how we're going to be doing a better job is if we allow ourselves to, to be uh, the people that we aspire to. Um, so that's what I would put in my toolbox. Um, and I hope uh, if there are emerging uh, athletic directors, uh, new people that are in this wonderful profession, um, with the toolbox, I would also share that they aren't alone. And we know that, right? From, from your book is a wonderful artifact of that. Um, so you know what? Okay, so number four, I'd bring the book. <laughs> Maybe I'd bring the book. Oh, and then number five, I'd bring all the ancestors. I forgot to say that. I'd bring all the ancestral energies, all of our wonderful support energies that we are not alone. And for me, that also includes all of the memories, all the voices of, of the people who have helped uh, form us uh, in, in this profession. So that's, that's in the toolbox in a really nice, a uh, beautiful, colorful container. Um, 
that's what I would put there. Well, um, great tools, your original three, and then your follow-up ones, of course, thank you for the shout out on the book. Um, I, I called an option on that, Jake. I called an option. <laughs> that, that's okay, I, I'm, and I'm not surprised at all. Um, I was gonna ask you um, if one of our listeners wanted to uh, reach out and get in touch with you, and I encourage you to do so. Uh, go ahead and give that uh, email address one more time. Okay, it is Carolyn, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N, at coaching kapwa k-a-p-w-a dot com so that's also my website uh just look up coaching kapwa um and you'll find me kapwa is a filipino word that describes the concept of interdependence and uh interrelationship so it's similar to the african word ubuntu um and other, uh, and other indigenous and uh, global words that we use to describe the fact that we're all, we're all of this together and that we all rely on one another. Uh, so I like to, to say that Kapwa for me means that we have a shared identity. Um, there's a part of me that's, that's you and there's definitely you in, in the influence and the part that, that I also rely on. Uh, to express myself. So, and, and how we do that in our profession um, sometimes isn't actually valued because of competition and because of, you know, we got to keep our strategy, you know, close to the vest, all that stuff. But in doing the work together, that's, that's how we all grow. That's how we all deepen. And I think in, with that, that's, that is the aspirational um, love that I have for educational athletics. Um, and that's, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, it definitely comes through with everything you say. Carolyn Sudeiko, coaching Kapwa, also Global Community of Women in High School Sports. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jake. It's so good to be here. It is, it is definitely my honor. I'm like totally fangirling all the time. I fangirl all the time. <laughs> all right. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> um, all the best moving forward. We'll definitely see you uh, in Denver, if not sooner. Yep. Uh, to our listeners, thanks as always for listening. Remember, the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Thank you, everyone.